Talk the podcast. We talk about any and everything, just like the days at the table, hanging with your boys, your girls, and all the homies. It's your boy Quattro. What's good, everybody? This is your boy Slick Rob. It's no introduction needed. Let's get it. Yeah, man, and it's good to be back in the same room with you again, bro. I've been gone for almost a month in Tallahassee in school. It's cool to be back in the room with you. Yeah, man, same here, same here. It's good to see you, boss. Yeah, man. It's, 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 we've been we've been rocking and cooling. You know, I've been I've been seeing Big Kevin. I mean, Big Kev, um, Kid Kev, and DJ mm-hmm. New a lot because we've been working with right. being Black in America stuff. So I, it's not like it's not like they've left at all. So right. It's good to see you. Yeah, yeah, man. It's really good to be back. It's good to be back. I, I like I said in the episode um, back in our Carton Award episode. Thank you to everybody that listened to that one. Gave us love. Uh, we are we're still working through that. You know, Zoom call in and figuring out how that's gonna sound. So, you know, thank you for bearing with us. But like I said, we are back for yet another episode. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the hit HBO show, Euphoria. But before we get into that, let me do a little bit of business. You can follow us on Instagram at Cafeteria Talk Official. You can catch us on Twitter at Cafeteria Talk. And if you happen to listen to us on uh, Apple Apple Podcasts, feel free to give us five-star ratings and reviews so we can get on that new and noteworthy list. Also, we're available on SoundCloud, the podcast app iHeartRadio, and really wherever you listen to podcasts. Usually it's on Spotify, Apple Music, but, you know, if you happen to be on one of them, you know, third-party sites, we love, we rocking with y'all, too. We love y'all, too. So, that's my little, little spiel, but, um, Rob, tell us about the segment that we always do. You guys already know what we're doing. We are about to do the put-on segment where we talk about anything that we may have seen, listened to, or eaten and our boy Prodigy, you know, from the lovely sports. Yes, sir. You know, yes, sir. So and let's by the way, amazing job which on the uh, Alabama Crimson Tides uh, championship win that episode. Y'all did a great job on that. Yes, appreciate that. Funny stuff. It really was funny. We got more to come and yeah, definitely going to be lit. But we're not here to talk about all that sports. We're here to talk about these put-ons. And obviously, I'm going to go first because I'm the oldest. So my put-on is going to be... Regina King's directorial debut of One Night in Miami. And wow. The f- okay, one thing I will say, it took me a minute, but I did not realize that Sam Cooke was our lovely boy, Aaron Burr. Sir, I did not know that was <laughs> Leslie Odom, bro. Aaron Burr, sir. I didn't know that was Leslie Odom. I was like, bro, he looks so familiar. I look up the cat. Ah, oh, are you Aaron Burr, sir? Yes, sir. Leslie Odom, he played Sam Cooke, and it was just one of the wow Regina King, man, she won't. She she really she's gonna be in the hall of great of great um, film makers because this first film she definitely did it. I mean, she had a star studded cast, and I think it was great. And no, it wasn't too long, you know. And it honestly, like the the event that one night really did change the complexion of history. Like mm. that led to Ali. I didn't know that led to um well Cassie's Clay becoming Muhammad Ali l- led to Malcolm X. Furthering the explanation of Malcolm X is getting killed, um, the 
the churning of Jim Brown's um, mantra through the NFL and Sam Cooke right before he met his demise. It was a that was actually a really big night in history that a lot of us didn't know about until we watched the movie. Mm. And I thought it was gas. I thought it was very gas. So yeah, you should definitely go check out One Night in Miami, directed by my baby Regina, the King of Regina. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, it's definitely one that's that's on that's on my list to check out. I um I like I have a Amazon Prime account. Oh, my dad has one, and I was logged in, but then when I moved, I kind of lost my login or whatever. But it's definitely one I'm gonna have to check out while I'm here at home. But my put on is a movie that came out in 2018. Yeah, it came out in 2018, won the Oscar for Best Picture in 2019, and that is Bong Joon Ho's Parasite. I had put off this movie for so long, and for really no reason. Like I had just, it just never really came across my desk. Like I just was like, ah, I got other stuff I'm watching or whatever. And I remember one of my guys, um, Ty from Bracket to B Rolls. Um, he was telling he was telling me about how much he loved it and that you know it deserved to be to win best picture, and it still I had just put it off. But then I and I had seen it; it'd been on Hulu forever, and I just was looking for something to watch. Had a bunch of time in my hands, and I was like, you know what? Why f it? Why not? So put it on, and after two hours and forty minutes, I can honestly say that is one of the greatest films I've ever watched. It was amazing, just absolutely astonishing like the cinematography was on point the the fact that the story was so layered it just and the the thrill of it all it was like such a psychological thriller through and through it was so interesting i can't wait to watch more bong joon home um films um and you know check out any other things in that genre but like amazing film i gave it a 10 out of 10 five stars on letterboxd like just amazing i really loved that movie um, definitely one that you should add to the list if you haven't seen. Yeah, it's, um, on, it's on my list actually, on my list. And like dessert, like it went, on, it had some steep competition when it come when it came to to best picture that year. Irishman being one movie that was it was up against. That was surprised. Um, surprised me, it didn't win. I'm gonna look it up because it, it had some pretty like staunch uh, 2019 best picture nominees. You had oh wait is it twenty nineteen that's not all of them that's that's not all of them is it it wasn't twenty nineteen was twenty eighteen oh twenty eighteen sorry guys all right Duh. no it could, oh twenty twenty that's why yeah twenty yeah cause damn twenty twenty seems so freaking far away yeah it was twenty twenty. Okay, yeah, so the it's, the nominees for Best Picture were 1917, uh, Four Feet Ferrari, Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, The Irishman, Little Women, Jojo Rabbit, Marriage Story. And, like, I think I've seen one, two, three, four, finished five. Jojo. I gotta finish seen Jojo Rabbit. Seen all those. I've seen everything but Jojo Rabbit. And, honestly, like, Parasite beats them all. Like, Parasite was that good. The only one I would I would have probably argued that eh, was would probably be The Irishman. Because that was just ugh, or Joker, because Joker was really good too. But man, Joker, I, man, to this day I just can't get enough of Joker. I can watch it anytime. It's so it was it was just that good for me. Like it don't make no sense why this film was so good. And it's funny on Google, I looked it up on Google, and so like under the title it has the cast, and under for Joker there's a typo. It says Bradley Cooper, and I'm like Bradley Cooper wasn't in Joker. But I digress. Uh, Parasite is my put on. Please check it out. You can stream that on Hulu, and I'm sure video on demand if you decide you want to buy it somewhere. 
but uh, I watched it on Hulu. And it's also um, in... I'm not even gonna try to mess up what language that is. It's not. It's not English. So you have to definitely watch it with the dubs. If you find a dub version cool, I'd rather watch it. You know, in its original language. I think it gives the movie more meaning and you know makes it more fun. But uh, yeah. Also, like speaking of dub movies, a little throwaway put on. I want to add in there. I finally have watched it. Like I another one I've put off for so long. Everybody's telling me, bro, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. But because I'm not an anime fan. I kind of like shoot it off or whatever. I ain't really wasn't really feeling it. But once again, felt the time on my hands, and I finally checked out uh, Mizaki's Spirited Away. Robert, again, one of the greatest cartoons I've ever watched. It was just it was amazing. It was colorful. It was vibrant. The story was amazing. The characters were hard hitting. Just really good. Like I definitely was. It was a Studio Ghibli film, so like mm. they're known for their animation, and they're like. It's like the like the Pixar or Disney animation of like you know anime. So like you already know they, they put out great stuff. So I'm definitely checking out more Studio Ghibli. But yeah, Parasite Spirited Away, man, two very good foreign films that I checked out that I thought you know really good. I think y'all should check it out. But now that we've done that, let's get into the, the nitty gritty. Like I said at the beginning of the episode. This is a very special, euphoria-centric episode. We'll be reviewing season one and also talking about the two special episodes featuring Rue and Jules. Um, so first, y'all know we, 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 we kind of like keep a little flow when it comes to our reviews. We like to do a little flow. Um, so I'm going to talk about that because I made a tad little change to it. So our TV rating system kind of goes like this. First, usually we talk about the characters and then we get into the story. But I'm changing it around, changing that order. We're going to talk about the story first. What was it about? Does it tell a good, well-paced story? Commenting on the writing, the tone, and stuff like that. Then we're going to go into the individual characters, kind of talk about how they impact the story and their arcs and stuff like that. And then finally, we'll talk about implications. Do we want more epi- more seasons, more a spinoff? What do we see for the future of the show? And then we'll ride out from there. We'll rank. We'll rank it one out. We'll rank it one out of ten. Um, and then we'll get out of you guys' hair. So let's go ahead and get into it, man. Actually, before we get into it, I'm gonna read um, a kind of synopsis of the show. Um, I've never actually read the the show synopsis, which is so funny. Okay. So, Euphoria, created by Sam Levinson, streaming on HBO. An American adaptation of the Israeli show of the same name, Euphoria, which follows the troubled life of a 17-year-old Rue, a a drug addict fresh from Riyadh with no plans to stay clean. Circling in Rue's orbit are Jules, a a transgender girl searching for where she belongs, Nate, a jock whose anger issues match sexual insecurities, Chris, a football star who finds finds the adjustment from high school to college harder harder than expected, Cassie, whose sexual history continues to dog her, and Kat, a body-conscious teen exploring her sexuality. As a classmate struggle to make sense of their futures, the series tackles the teenage landscape of substance-enhanced parties and anxiety-ridden day-to-day life with empathy and candor. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that that serves it well. I think it's missing and embellishing a couple of things, but I'm sure we'll get into that once we talk yeah, a little bit about the story. So... Let's get into it, man. Tell me about what you think about Euphoria as the story, in terms of the story. The story overall is just... Because, like, from someone that's been there from the beginning, mm-hmm. I remember when the trailer first dropped and then when the episodes were dropping, like I said, back to 
This is old school Slick Rob when I used to illegally watch everything. I, which actually made it even more fun because there was no HBO on my mom's house at the time. So I had to literally go on sites, wait till about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning for the episodes to drop right. on the websites. Shout out to one, two, three movies, by the way. But um, And seeing those late night was just so interesting. And the story really is just... It's very raw. It's very engriving and just deep. Like, it really does touch on a... And now, does it over-glorify some things with the cinematography? Yeah, of course. It's a show. You gotta... It wants to make you... It, it want to be eye-opening. So, all those people are saying it's just too overhyped. It overhypes drugs and all that. Well, that's... That's the point. I mean, obviously. But it... The story behind it and the emotions and the situations it touches in life are very interesting. And, um... I've been this has been my favorite show ever since it came out because I couldn't just I couldn't get enough of it and I love it I love the story um but we're yeah that's that's how I feel about the story it's just so good and so many different layers that you can tackle in different characters and I like how they balance it too so yeah um everything you said I agree um I definitely love that the show because of how like short it was only eight episodes um they tackled a lot each episode and like how each episode was kind of like a character study for you know each you know character in the show which we'll get to when we talk about characters and i also really liked one thing that um hunter schaefer jules uh, mentioned in an interview i think i watched um i think she was talking it was one of the interviews that like connected to the show but she had talked about how the show operates without labels um namely yes. namely that she's transgender but this was the first kind of one of the first shows that i watched where her being transgender wasn't the story like the story wasn't oh jules is a transgender character like literally was just like jules is transgender like do, do with it what you will but like her story is has really nothing to do with that she's doing what she's doing she's you know, she's Jules. That's that's really all it was. Yeah. And I really like that about the show that like, you know, it doesn't matter. Like the story isn't that she's transgender or gay or whatever. She's just gonna be what she's gonna be. She's Jules. And so I really like that about the story too. And one thing that like uh you mentioned the cinematography, I I was definitely one that was like, I didn't like I hate I'm just a stickler for cinematography that's like not practical. Yeah. In a sense. Yeah, indeed. But so like but it didn't kill it for me, like I didn't like kill the score or anything for, for anything like that for me it's a personal preference that I had with the show yeah but um one an issue I did have with the show though not the show but with the story was that it kind of felt like there were there were moments that would happen in the show like major moments that were not necessarily short up by the end of the season which I mean of course could ha always happen in season 2 3 mm -hmm. they'll, they'll flush out more stuff but like something will happen and then like, it won't get mentioned until, like, the end of the episode or, like, another yeah. episode. And you'll be like, oh, I forgot. Like, that was a major moment. Like, mm -hmm. oh, also, quick pause here. Spoilers for season one of Euphoria and the special episodes featuring Rue and uh, Jules. Spoiler alert. Even though season one's been out, like, forever. And then... Since 2019. Yeah. And then by the time this comes out, the special episode would have been out maybe a couple months now. Rue's been out maybe two or three months. This, the Jules one's been out maybe a month or so. But spoiler alert, nonetheless. So, but back to what I was saying, yeah. I think about the, what happened with McKay in episode six. six yeah. Where uh, those, the his, was, I think it was his frat, right? Yeah, his teammates. His, his teammates. The frat and teammates. The frat slash teammates that came into his room while he was with Cassie and kind of, basically, they basically assaulted him. 
And they kind of like, we never heard anything else about that until uh, the end. We didn't hear anything else about that for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like it was that was episode six of the season and the show the season ended two it's, episodes later. Yeah. So um I just hope that's something that they really like, you know, show up and do something more with because that arc is like really resonant with a lot of people. Like that is not they like that wasn't for a show on TV, like that happens more often than not. Indeed. And so that's something I hope so but saying that this show tackles a lot of things that are very real. Like I've, I've gone on record saying that this show, I feel like, in a sense, is more real than a Riverdale and safer than a Thirteen Reasons Why. Yeah. Um, th- more real than a Riverdale because Riverdale, of course, is a, totally embellished. Like it's pretty much all like, bro, that's cat. Like there's no way high school actually operates like yeah. this. And then Thirteen Reasons Why, it's more safe. There's Thirteen Reasons Why really shied away from the consequences of it all like all those pre- all those kids pretty much get off scot-free yeah and then but in this show like there's real consequences and real shit that happens mm-hmm. when you do some of the stupid stuff they did in this show yeah. which I thought was really cool so in terms of this this show's um, interpretation of like modern day high school and that the big thing being that high school has become something that you have to survive is amazing to me it did a really good job with that indeed indeed that's one of the like that's just something like I never really like could grasp and like I was gonna mention um the stuff about it not me- like something happening and then they not touching back on it yeah but I was gonna leave that to you because I know you wanted to tackle that heavily yeah, yeah. heavily so yeah another thing besides McKay's incident I think one incident that was just big to me was definitely um is when Gia just saw when Gia walked into Stormy Ru- yeah Stormy when she Kay. walked into Rue's room and was asking her if she was okay and all this good stuff mm-hmm. and you know she obviously just trying to be the supportive little sister but then it's that moment where Rue's like I'm fine it was episode 7 actually the episode yeah. after that she's like I just have the flu and she's like are you sure you got the flu Rue and she's like gee I'm just gonna need you to leave me the you know leave me the fuck alone yeah and you know that's really you didn't see Gia for a good until the I think until the last episode yeah what was the episode after that but like you didn't you just saw her like a flashback or something obviously the stuff that the, that little girl has seen mm-hmm. obviously they will say they are going to say hey man it's going to get mentioned soon but like we should have seen like and I thought it interesting we should see, we should see what happens with, Ju- with um, Gia because Gia's got a, that's a lot for someone to go through I heard right and I thought it really interesting that like even with seeing what she saw with her, I mean, she literally was the one that found her when she overdosed in the first episode. Yeah. And that still didn't turn her off from drugs. Like, I mean, granted, weed is like a lot more, a lot less, you know, dangerous, especially in a small dose that she was doing it. Mm-hmm. than you know, the stuff Rue was taking it with, with substance abuse in terms of, you know, pills and stuff like that. Yeah. But like, you would think seeing something like that will like turn you off from drugs. But like, no. And I think that's going to be something interesting that they kind of toggle with. You know, in future seasons or whatever, and especially because we know Rue's getting her own—not Rue, Gia's getting her own episode yeah. in season two. So that'll be really cool. And then yeah, and, and mentioning like you know things like Gia, like each there were even some of the tertiary characters have moments in season one that are that are like, oh, we're gonna—you could possibly see like a big thread of this in future episodes. Like I, before we were recording this, I had I had some extra time on my hands, and I was able to rewatch all eight episodes and you know the Rue episode. And I ended up really paying attention to the last episode uh, where, oh, what was her name? Where Lexi, Cassie's sister, Maude Apatow's character, um, 
kind of where she was she was when in terms of her sister is kind of like men flock to her men are like always gonna be in her phone yeah. but she seems like one that's like the men aren't really flocking to her so she's mm-hmm. like alright how do I take it into my own hands and like you know go to the men yeah. and like it was real like thrown out thrown away like blinking your miss cause she was like drunk like she was kind of mumble but like that, I think that's something that's gonna be fleshed out in her episode you know next season but indeed cause a lot of a lot of quick note a lot of Cause I follow this, con- yes, I actually follow a confessions page on Instagram yeah. for Euphoria. Cause honestly, bro, all all those different fans sharing our opinions, it's gas. So another little small put on Euphoria confessions on Instagram. Check them out. You gotta check them out. Yeah, basically a fan page, and we all just flesh out our opinions about the show. Gas. A lot of people have been saying they feel like Lexi. They get this idea that Lexi could. They don't know if Lexi. What's so interesting is they don't know if Lexi is gay, bi, or what. Because they feel like Lexi has a sort of attachment to Rue because I guess they had a little kiss, a flashback of a kiss they had in a. Episode. I got the same feeling when I rewatched it. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it was interesting seeing Lexi do that. I was like, because honestly, I thought Lexi was gay for a cat, and then she said, I was like, so I'm like, what is what what is it getting? like? So is Lexi bi? That's the thing. This show's so ambiguous, especially around sexuality. Like it seems yeah. like everybody is so it really is a, fluid on it. Really is a construct like of cat sex. Yeah, exactly. Like they really play on the fact that like it's not gay or straight. It's a spectrum. You're kind of yeah, falling wherever you can. So um, this show deals a lot with you know love and stuff like that. So what did you think about the relationship, namely between Rue and Jules? I thought it was, um, I really thought it was, now that I've watched it so many times and watched those two special episodes, I really do feel like it's a balance. Like, there's, now is it good? I would say it's very toxic, but it's very, it balances because it's just a lot of back and forth and back and forth of Rue trying to understand her sobriety and Jules trying to. I feel like they use each other in the same sense. Rule, try, I said rule, <laughs> just because Jules and, okay, sorry, but Rue trying to help Jules balance out her sobriety of staying clean mm. and Jules trying to use Rue to escape, escape this, um, all these different things that she's put on herself and her situations around her. Um, Rue was able to look past that and just see jewels for a person and not a thing or something she's put on herself or her situations and i thought that was very gassed even though sadly one problem i do have is i feel like rue has been more honest in every with everything mm. jules has that's a good point and we finally recognize that in this episode because you know jules well we all saw this in season one but jules never really talked about the issues with her mom even in Rue, which is interesting to say because obviously rules the narrator of the show right mm-hmm. but in the episode about jules when she mentions the she really she tries to mention stuff about jules mom and it really did not make sense at all yeah. obviously we see that now because jules never mentioned it to Rue. so like i think it's kind of cool that we were able to see that in the special episode but i do feel like jules has held stuff back but rue has been more open mm. and i feel like that's that's my only problem. Like Jules hasn't been so open completely to Rue, right? Which I can understand, but for Jules to say I fall in love so easily, if that's the case, then why can't why, exactly. why aren't you as open as Rue is? Exactly. I, I would expect Rue to be more shallow and back off because she's obviously the drug addict and she's lost her dad. But you. You really didn't lose your mom. Your mom is still there. So that's just this is right. something I didn't get. But I'm glad that you uh, touched on that because um, you interpreted interpreted that relationship a whole lot different than I did. I felt like coming away, especially after watching it, that Jules really. 
and I don't think intentionally, like, but really led her on, like, to yeah. go out to the mind's eye, like, I she did, led her yeah. on. Because, we all like, felt that at some point, yes. I definitely Because she was, way. like, um, like, she obviously, in season one, like, kind of showed that she wasn't necessarily interested in Rue. And it's revealed, it's kind of touched on why she kind of felt the way she did in the special episode, which I'll get to in a second. Indeed. But um, it just, like, on the one hand, she'll be like, oh, like, she's my best friend, yada, yada, yada. But then, like, we're cuddled up in bed. Like, just the optics of it all were like, all right, if this is, like, if I'm trying to, if I'm not, if I'm, like, not feeling some girl or something, like, I'm not going to be, like, cuddled up with her in bed, hugging, kissing, and stuff like that. Because, like, you're giving her the whole ass wrong message. And, and so, um, but then in the in the special in Jew's special episode, when she reveals that like she had never kissed the girl or really dealt with the girl like that, or and that that like she was, um, you know, she felt like Rue was using her as a crutch. Um, this really it really kind of salted the whole experience, mm-hmm. which is something that like I have an issue with the special episode. We're gonna talk about that like in a few minutes, but like, um, and you kind of touched on it. Jules, even from the get-go, like we, when she first was introduced, she was like the most ambiguous character on the show. Mm-hmm. So like we didn't know much about Jules. She was the new girl in town. Like, everybody else had kind of been established there, and then yeah. she came, she comes in and kind of throws everything in the whack. And then so for her, for them to kind of like exposition, exposition, exposition dump her like in this episode was kind of interesting to me. But um, in terms of their whole relationship between Rue and Jules, like it was definitely confusing, and I think one oh, yeah. that definitely mimics, Ooh. definitely one that mimics relationships. Like it's, I mean, it's a situationship through and through. But um, bro. speaking of situationships, another relationship I kind of wanted to ask you about. Got to talk about it, and I start with I start off with this one since you start off with the other one. Indeed, this one's near and dear to my heart because I've seen it. It's a, it's a hard one to watch. Nate and Maddie. Um, Nate, Nate and Maddie was a very, 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 very great exposition, not exposition, a great example of what a toxic Adap- relationship adaptation is. Of a, I adapt- an adaptation of a toxic relationship. It was amazing. Um, being someone that's like seen one. Um, like very close like it was definitely when I was like damn this is exactly what it is and they were very safe about telling you what kind of the mindset was behind it like Jules not Jules when Rue was uh, narrating that whole situation she talked about how um, even though like Nay and even Maddie says it in like some in some lines where she's like like you're terrible for me like I hate the way you feel but like I still love you mm-hmm. and like they talked about how in a, in a sense the person that's being abused, Maddie, she'll it becomes normal normal behavior for her. And so, in the episode where you know they finally catch Nate after he choked her at the carnival, it was like, um, "This isn't love. Like, this is not what somebody who loves somebody does to someone." And it just that whole relationship, the way it was dealt with, handled by the showrunner Sam Levinson, was amazing because yeah. it was a great 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 adaptation. And Jacob Elordi is Nate did an amazing job. You know, being that you know over possessive dude in that, and Alexa Demi did an amazing job playing that role. I think that relationship was very definitely one of the more true relationships in the show, mm-hmm. which I thought was really cool. Now, Nate and Maddie, oh my god, and I would still say it. I love Zendaya to death. She's my baby, but I still give Jacob Elordi for season one. He's got the best actor of the show from season one, without question. Just because it takes a lot to play that type of character, like. In the scenes he had to do. But anyway, in regards to Nate and Maddie's relationship, bro, like, 
when I when I first watched it, I like because I like I said I had been in from the jump when I first saw it. You know, when I first watched it, it kind of reminded me a little um, a little situation that I heard of from you, and like it literally like I was like, wow, that's crazy. Then when I went back and watched the show again, that everything was happening kind of like not exactly like that, but I saw a glimpse of everything. I'm like, man, that's crazy. Like they really did very well, and like. I feel like the biggest, like honestly, I don't think Maddie is that much. She's a I do believe I do not like her character, but I do believe Maddie. The stuff she does is just because of Nate, and she, she and she tried to and she tries to use him. They try to both use each other for mm. each other, like. But they say they love each other, but I honestly feel like sometimes when I've watched it, they use each other because of what they gain from each other, not just because of who they are. Maddie loves Nate because Nate Nate's rich. Nate's got fame. Nate's got stature. Nate loves Maddie because she fits that perfect, perfect woman. His, that, his version of a perfect, of a perfect, perfect woman. woman that he built inside. That's what Rudy explained in that episode. And I'm just like, wow, like it's like because Nate obviously tries to escape the troubled past of dealing with the issues with his father, what he saw growing up. Because we can get to that later, That's obviously. One. That's one there. But like, it's so. Sometimes I sit back and feel like y'all don't love each other. Y'all just love for each other for what y'all bring to the table. Nate can help you escape this, and Maddie can help you escape this. And like I, but I do feel like there is genuine love there, mm. just not love for what a person is, not for what they are. It's kind of a little bit of what I got from them, honestly. Exactly, and I, I think uh, was, it brings me back to what I said about the show being a great, you know, adaptation of what high school is today. And being that, like, this is a relationship that we see not all the time. Like, this is something I've seen so many different times in so many different forms. And so for this show to really be safe and how they talk about it and how they deal with it was amazing to me. But um, moving on, um, uh, let's talk about these characters, man. Let's go. We're going to go character by character and just kind of give our thoughts, opinions on, on the characters. Of course, we got to start with the star of the show, Rue Bennett, Rue Bennett, yes. um, Zendaya, um, drug addict. I mean, like that, that mm-hmm. she she plays that role very well. And like, I love how the show really harps on the fact that, you know, even though she the, sh- the show begins with her coming home from rehab, she has no intention of staying clean. Like, yeah. as soon as she got off the bus home. Like, she was back at Fez's house, like, picking up her next score. Yeah. And so, seeing the show unfold in her eyes was amazing. The only thing that, like, I kind of felt like was weird, especially on my rewatch, it was, like, sh- the show all kind of all filters through her and, like, her, her view of it. But mm-hmm. she's kind of removed from it, mm-hmm. in a sense. Because she doesn't really have a ton of friends like before she met Jules it was kind of just her and like Lexi was like and like even that was kind of they hadn't had much contact since they were kids and then so and like everybody kind of knew her like as kind of the drug addict of the, of the class you know and so for her to kind of know the ins and outs of everything going on in the, such a seemingly big high school or big town yeah, it was kind of interesting but I mean that was a small nitpick or whatever but I uh, really liked uh, Zendaya going through the show, and she plays the role so well. Like it, night and day from what we usually see Zendaya, and but mm-hmm. like very good job uh, doing this Zendaya. Yeah, and 
Well, Rue, obviously, like you said, drug addict. But one small tip is shout out to Zendaya. I've listened to a lot of her interviews and a lot of her um, stuff from Variety and all these different actors. Zendaya, honestly, is what a lot of actors should strive to be because she literally goes above and beyond to get to get the best interpretation of what she should do for her role. And she takes the role of Rue like very serious. Like I remember when she said when she had to get shut down because when they're about to film season two, but COVID happened, she said she literally was crushed because she literally didn't know what to do. She was so she was literally every day thinking of Rue and she was so stuck on bringing that character back. And I thought that was just so guys that just shows that she puts a lot of effort. She doesn't play about her shit. And like I love that. I love that about her. But in regards to her character of Rue, like man, like like you said. It's so crazy that rules the narrator. She's in a lot of these instances. She's not there, but that's one thing I think Sam did just to mess with our minds. Sam Levinson just on figure because the biggest thing is, well, how is this? Is this going to end like the original Euphoria did, or is? And I actually haven't seen the original one. I want to find it somewhere just to watch it. But I think Sam did that just to play with a lot of people's minds. But Rue, I think. Rue is just, I love Rue's character, even though Rue has serious problems. And one thing that just about Rue that I just cannot stand is she, I feel like she wants everyone to feel sorry for her. And like, it's, that's kind of, I'm not trying to sound green, but I feel like she wants everyone to feel sorry for her, everyone to look down on her. But like, she herself, sometimes I feel like she just, like, and she even said it in that special episode. I just want everyone to remember me as someone that tried their best, but it could never. It's like she doesn't want to get better. And, like, that's the issue I have with Rue is, like, why don't you ever want to get better for, like, the people you love? And if you don't want to get, be, get better for yourself, why don't for the people you love from your mom? And I, that's one thing I just, I some, that's well, one thing I'll never be able to understand. That's the thing. That, and that's what that, and that whole, that everything you just said, that last bit of what you just said is what that entire special episode, that special yeah. episode featuring Rue was about. It's that, you know, if you're not an addict, it's like anything. If you yeah. don't experience that for yourself, you can never fully understand. Indeed, indeed. And that's like, what I was about to say. That's, I'll probably never understand that. But exactly. Like. And so, like, to to watch that episode and then for them to kind of really flesh out addiction and really explain what it is. Because I love one of my favorite, probably my favorite, you know, pieces of, no, second favorite uh, lines from Ali in that episode was that, you know, um, you have a sickness that, you know, everybody, a lot of people have and you can't control it. But the most dangerous thing about it is that nobody else sees it as, as a sickness. Everybody mm -hmm. else sees it as you being selfish. And yeah. like, you know, that's what addiction is. It's a sickness, even though it's been painted as, you know, something that's selfish or whatever but it's something that if you haven't experienced it you can never fully understand indeed and so that's what I really liked about her episode and really all the things that they fleshed out in that was just amazing but mm -hmm. yes. enough about Rue Bennett um, next we go on to Jules Hunter Schaefer's character um, I I found her character extremely um, compelling. I think probably one of the most compelling in the in the show for sure. Uh, just given how ambiguous she was um, when she comes, she comes into town as this new girl and kind of throws everything into um, a fray. And I actually really liked how fluid they were in terms of her sexuality and how she expressed herself because. Um, she lives her life very free, it seems like, and like everything kind of not revolves in her like circle or whatever, but 
it just she was very she was a very free character and somebody that Rue, you know, felt like what Rue wanted to be, but like on ten, and that's what kind of flocked Rue to her, mm-hmm. which, which I really liked. And although I and I mentioned this before, like I really liked how this character wasn't so this character wasn't solely centered around the fact that she was trans. Like, yeah, it was you know just her being her and her relationship with Rue. And I've already mentioned how I felt about her relationship with Rue, but in terms of our special episode, I don't. I, I had mixed feelings about it because I felt like because of the ambiguity of the character. It, it made a lot of sense but then when they filled in so many blanks about her character in the special episode I was like wait like this this scene this would have made a lot more sense if it either A happened during the show or B you kind of got in spurts of season 2 like oh yeah. okay th- that's what okay alright cool now I'm Ronna rocking with you because all the stuff with their mom really explains why she does why she deals with Rue the way that she does like yeah. she has background with somebody that has um, problems with drugs and and their sobriety. Like she's seen it, yes. and you know she gives Rue a lot more leeway that than it seems that she gave her mom. Even though her mom did some very fucked up shit to her, like you know dropping her off at that mental asylum when she was a kid, uh, or the psychiatric hospital. Yeah, but stuff like that, and then you know her seeing her mom. Because even when I watched rewatched it, the Halloween episode, um, it still was kind of hairy on what why Jules went as crazy as she did at that party. But then now it makes more sense given that she had just saw her mom like the week before and then she, you know, kind of goes crazy and goes on that. But it doesn't make any sense until the special episode comes out. And even still, the special episode wasn't necessarily planned to happen. You know, if COVID didn't happen, we wouldn't, we'd probably be in the middle of season two right now. So... Yeah, season two would have probably... Season two would have dropped. Yeah, it would have been yeah, dropped. We, yeah, yeah. Season two would have been over. So like, and they would have gotten this person. So I, did, I feel like it was a kind of a tad too early to release all this. And I think they did too much with her special episode because Rue's special episode was pretty simple. Like it really, it was really just her and Ali sitting in the sitting in the place in the cafe, or whatever, just talking it out. And then this one had a lot more imaginary things going on, a lot more in the mind of of Jules, which was cool. But it just was like, mm. and then the whole her, she was really the character they used to talk about like online dating, the whole online aspect of like dating, mm-hmm. and. Um, I will say like they definitely this is one of the things that you mentioned that was kind of a um, a glorification because yeah. Jules did some very stupid stuff like meeting up with guys that like she met online and stuff like that and like that were engaged or married engaged or married and like a lot of girls don't have like that story where like you know they met this guy you know everything went well or, and they did mention like sometimes it got rough but like a lot of times it ends up rough and it ends up in a very dangerous situation and so it was like it wasn't too crazy like it wasn't no like there's reasons why unsafe it just was like a tad bit like eh, okay that kind of towing the line a little bit but other than that um, I really like Jules as a character I kind of talked a lot but you go ahead with Jules with, I mean because there is a lot to talk about Jules outside of Rue she's basically kind of the biggest character of the show in my, in, in my eyes um, but yeah with Jules um I, Jules is very eye-opening and popping because we got to think about it. one of our first introductions to Jules is her riding on her bike. And because um, mm-hmm. basically what's kind of cool is that is literally outside of her family. That's the first person rules through sees. I keep saying rules because I'm thinking Jew and rules. Oh, my God. Yeah. Screw Instagram for that. But that's the first person Rue actually sees when she gets out of rehab. 
Mm. And a lot of us didn't a lot of us didn't catch that. And it kinda what I think was kinda not intentional, I don't know if this was done by Sam intentional, but it's like every person Rue sees after coming out of rehab, like first her mom, Gia, then then Jules, and then um what's his name? What's Fez. his name? Fez and then Nate. It's I feel like that's intentional a setup for stuff that's either gonna happen to those characters or how it's gonna or what's gonna happen to Rue in the long run. These yeah. characters might play. I, that's just literally what popped in my head, but I don't know if that's part of the storytelling, but Jules, man, I when I first saw this show, I kid you not, when I first watched the first episode, because in the trailers, if you go back and watch the trailers, I didn't I didn't even know Jules was trans when I first watched the show. When I first watched the first episode, I never knew. I never knew until the third episode, I think. I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, nah, nah, I see it. So I was like, so it was in it's because the way the character is the way the character is just so vibrant and out like and feminine like that's her whole thing femininity she's conquering femininity and I see it and it's just like I'm me nothing this is this is my superpower like she wants it to be her superpower and I thought that was I thought that was kind of cool because it kind of gives a little bit of the middle finger to society a little bit like like we're so focused on men's needs and what men want to like she kind of mentioned that in the beginning of her, of mm. the, her special episode in her special episode oh my gosh yes yeah, definitely a lot of glorification there and like it was cra- like crazy like man the stuff that was shot was got like it, it did open up layers and in regards to the Halloween thing it's crazy that my because my biggest thing is obviously I thought she got drunk because of the situation that where she had to go report the crime for Nate that's what I thought and like right. we always thinking that and honestly like that that I'm like there's no way that could be the biggest thing that goes on because either way Jules Jules probably knew Rue would find out um some way down the line what happened with Nate even though she obviously right. did so I was like there's no way that could have been the biggest reason why she straight up got drunk and did all that like something seriously had to had happened and the fact it was her mom was just a lot and man I tell you Jules Jules has a like Jules is a very free and caregiving person but like I feel like all the stuff she did to get there is what really is affecting her like mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm not saying like her trying to con- conquer femininity has caused this but like there's certain things you have to do and you really have to distance yourself from a lot of things to get there and like she she cut off her mom and all this good stuff and then how she was free with um, a little free giving with Rue was Rue was kind of interesting because like she told Rue, "I'm not going to sit and watch someone fucking kill ourselves." But then again, but then that makes all the more sense when you find out about her mom and her issues because like all we yeah. really knew about her mom um, from season one, like the actual season, you just kind of figured she was sick or something like that, and then. Boom! But her mom wasn't getting better. That's all Rue said. Her mom wasn't exactly. Better. So we didn't really know what the issue was. So I'm I'm, a, I'm curious to see what happens in future seasons or episodes when we find out when Rue finds out about her mom and like how you know that happens. But moving on, we've talked about her a little bit. Maddie, Alexa Demi's character, mm. um, very interesting. Like I I don't think I've ever experienced a character like Maddie who just is just like. I don't want to do anything. Like, I'm just making my way through life. Um, like, the consummate popular girl, for sure. Um, also, like, seeing her go through... Like, one thing, like, she wasn't a good girl that was being toxic. Like, she was also being in a toxic relationship, being, you know, handled by this guy. She also was very toxic, in a way. Yes. Um, but, 
her her episode was really interesting like in terms of learning about her and that you know she really valued what people thought about her and like exuding yeah. that confidence was important to her um yeah I mean there's really not a lot I could say about Maddie like she definitely was one of my least favorite characters mm-hmm. one of my favorite performances but least favorite characters in the show I just kind of felt like she was a little annoying and like bro yeah. she had such a mouth on her bro like it was so like I like I will never ever condone a man hitting a woman one, one, once again I would never ever condone a man hitting a woman but like she was running that mouth boy I was like oh my gosh like yeah. like every time like Nate put his hands on her I was like dang bro like you you definitely was a helping situation with your mouth, bro. Like, home, bro. Yeah, she was pissing my dog off. Home, bro. But, and I'm gonna be honest, bro. You call my mom the C word, like we gotta have words, <laughs> you know? Like yeah. that. That was a very interesting scene, but you know, I think that was that played to her character. You know, with that whole scene with the chili and her, you know, giving it to Nate's parents. That was kind of like, kind of like the first time somebody liked it to her and was like, "No, you're not the like center of attention. Like you're not all mm-hmm. that in a bag of chips." Nate's parents. And that's when she, like, lashed out. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, and you kind of stole all the words out of my mouth how I feel about Maddie. Like, I love Alexa Demi to death. Um, I'm going to put... I'm going I'm, I'm to start watching a lot more of her work because I've seen a couple of movies. But um, definitely, like, Maddie, like, I, I couldn't... I couldn't stand how Maddie always was just trying to be... Not the center of attention, but she wanted... She really cared about how everyone felt about her. And she... um. But I felt like that was given to the way she saw the relationship with her parents. Like, think about it. Her mom and her dad's um, 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 marriage is very quiet. Like, she says, you sit there. He does nothing. He does nothing. He said, y'all don't even speak to each other. Like, I feel like she's like that because she feels like she doesn't get that love from her parents at all. Like, like, think about it. The only way she, the only thing she liked to do when she was little was pageants. She loved how everyone would cheer for her and all that. Then when that got taken away from her, she felt like that was something wrong, like that shouldn't have been done to her. And so like she doesn't, and obviously she started studying people, which I thought was very interesting to really, she tried to look at the system and see how to find a way to finesse the system Mm -hmm. and like finesse guys, which is men is the biggest thing in the system, quote unquote. So, you know, that was pretty cool. But like, yeah, like. I do feel like the way she is is because of how her parents' relationship is. Like it's, yeah. she wants to be not with her parents are, and I can understand that. Um, just because if, if my parents sat here and just didn't love each other like that, or weren't really together, like I would value that. But she does. She goes about it the wrong way with Nate. Like I feel like she gets love wrong because she tries to use love to get what she wants and like not what the other person wants. Sometimes I feel like she doesn't care, even though she cares. She says she cares about Nate. Sometimes I don't like I said. I feel like they use each other for things, and like exactly, like it's a, it's definitely a, a parasitic. Um, no, nah, it's not. It's not a parasitic. A parasitic. A mutual thing where like they both take and like it harms both parties being in that relationship. Like, like I I mentioned it before. Like it's literally the lines that they exchange at the end of the prom episode where they're like, "I hate the way you make me feel." Like we probably shouldn't be together, and they're and they still can continue dancing as like. We get all that, but we're gonna stay together because honestly, like we're the best we're gonna get between us two. And I'm like, maybe they feel like they can't get nowhere without each other. Maybe Maddie feels like Nate. I don't think you can. Anyone else can make you happy like I can, or Nate the other way around. Right. So continuing on, we talked about him a little bit. Nate Jacob Bellorty. 
Uh, aside from his relationship with Maddie, the most compelling thing about him was his um, his talk between him sussing out his own sexuality. Yeah. Um, being somebody that was closeted, possibly gay, and like him being and the thing about Nate and like what you learned about him in the in his episode was that he is the consummate alpha male, like you know, jock, leader of the football team, jock. Um, just he's a guy through and through. And then to find out that he um, is having issues navigating his own sexuality, and when he's challenged on that, he lashes out was amazing because a lot of people deal with that especially b- before they you know come out and accept that they're gay that they, they they go through what he was going through in the show which is really interesting to me but um jacob b lordy and the way that he navigates because he's got some serious mental issues like he's that dude was crazy and you know he was possessive narcissistic like just yeah. all types of effed up and mm-hmm. you know it's it's all stemming from what he saw when he, you know, found those videos of his dad. Yeah. And we'll definitely get to his dad because his dad's just as compelling as him, I think. Um, but, yeah, just it, a lot of effed up stuff in him. Like he's going he's, he's gonna to be a character to watch as the show goes on. Indeed. Jake, Jacob Elordi, Nate, man, I tell you, like I said, who was my favorite, like, best performance from season one because it took a lot. I, I know that took a lot out of him. But it's just, Nate just, man, I tell you, like, very narcissistic and very, but, one thing, one little thing about Nate I can say that I do love is he does have love for Maddie because I don't know. If it's me, ain't no way I'm going back to a female that I call my mama cunt. I don't give a damn how bad you is. You're not calling my mama cunt, bro. bro and and I know Nate that. said, I know Ruth said that Nate didn't have a lot of love for his mom because of the way she was and the way she cared herself, but he still loved her and he still cared about his family. Like, he'll do anything to protect his family. But the fact that he would obviously he wasn't okay with it and he definitely lashed out and choked Maddie for calling his mom a cunt which I don't blame him honestly it was in the heat of the moment shouldn't have done that but still was the heat of the moment it's like I he it's like he wants he wants everything to be okay but if it's not okay his problem is if it's not okay he he lashes out he doesn't know what to do like he feels like okay if it's not done this specific way I'm I'm gonna lose my shit I'm gonna have a problem with this and like and then obviously like him and then dealing with the stuff with his dad, you know, they never sat down and actually talk about that. And like, how do you, and like one weird thing is, what's crazy is how can you talk about that? Because just the ramifications that'll lead to the community that, think about it, his dad helped build that community, which is kind of crazy. So yeah. we'll get to his dad later, but definitely Nate, man, he's definitely gonna be someone to watch out for because of the ramifications of season sure. one. Crazy. Um, definitely one of the, the more compelling characters. Another compelling character we're gonna talk about is Lexi Maude Apatow, and she was definitely more so treated as a side character. Um, episode to episode, it's kind of like a almost like a voice of reason. You know, we saw her in season one give Rue the fake piss, you know, to pass the drug test, and then the stuff with the prom, and you know, she really was like a serious antithesis to her sister Cassie. Um, and she was kind of quiet, meek. Um, definitely what character to watch. Like, we're going to see her fleshed out a little bit more, especially given, like, what she said at the end of the prom episode, at the end of the season. Um, but I just wanted to mention her because, you know, I think she was a very, very important character and very good character. Like, my appetite did a very good job with this show. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, when she lashed out at Cassie um, and kind of, like, talking about how 
she didn't get she doesn't get the attention that Cassie gets, even though yeah. all the attention Cassie gets isn't necessarily good attention. But we'll get to that character. But um, continuing on. Honestly, my favorite outside of Rue, my actual favorite character was Lexi because wow. Lexi's very like like I say, Lexi was a side character, but honestly, Lexi um, she beat everything. She kind of is like a second, a smaller hinted version of Rue. Rue can it's like Rue is basically the one that sees everything. She narrates everything, but it's like Lexi can see everything as well. And it was kind of piggybacked on the seventh episode where it was the the um, you know spy episode where Lexi and Rue were together. And Rue is basically telling Lexi all this shit that she's uncovered. And Lexi's basically like, I got that. I see that. Boom, boom, boom. So it's like Lexi's the person behind the scenes that can, is kind of fashioning out everything. And I think Lexi, man, I think Lexi will have a better arc in season two. Um, She already confirmed the beginning of her own episode, which will be guys. um, And I really can't wait to see what's the big deal, how Lexi felt about the issues with her mom and the dad, because... Well, that wasn't really mentioned about, but honestly, I feel like Lexi was treated like like shit from her mother, and Cassie got the good part, and Lexi got the shit parts when it comes to their parents' relationship. Like, I kind of noticed that in that episode. I was like, damn, like, mom didn't even give her girl no clout coming out dressing like Bob Ross. But I mean, which, by the way, was one of my, was probably my favorite. I'm Bob Ross. <laughs> and everyone just looking at her like, nigga, what the fuck? That shit was gas. So yeah, Lexi, Mata Patel, man, I can't wait to see what she does, and can't wait for her in season two. Can't, well said, well said. Next character up, we'll be talking about Lexi's sister, Cassie, Sydney Sweeney's character. First off, beautiful. Um, sensational. Sensational. <laughs> Secondly, um, her character was one that like I found very resonant. Um, she... And Ruth mentioned that she said this once about actually it was about Maddie, but it, this also rings true for uh, Cassie's character too. She had an optics problem, um, yes. which, which means that she kind of seemed like even though what everybody saw and what everything she did didn't necessarily mean one thing because of the way it looks, it means something. Mm-hmm. And Lexi was what you would probably call it any of our schools, high school you went to, high school I went to, as the school hub, you know? She, she'd been around, she'd seen a lot of things, and then when she finally gets into a relationship with the good guy at, in McKay, and McKay is like, um, look, like, you have a reputation, and, like, people are gonna talk shit, and I'm, I'm also gonna get shit because I'm with you, mm-hmm. and then she plays off dumb, like, he gets upset, and she doesn't understand that, like that's something that that's true that's something that I personally like dealt with and so like that seeing that relationship play out was definitely really interesting for me but um she definitely like I loved how in her episode they really talked about how once she hit puberty how dudes started to approach her differently especially like the ones in her family um and even like when they talked about her dad his substance abuse like a lot of substance abuse going on in the show you know Jules's mom and then you have um her mom and her dad her mom more so with drinking and then her dad becoming a heroin addict was definitely one that was very interesting to me but yeah um I keep saying very interesting but like very good compelling to me but Cassie was definitely one of those characters I was like oh okay like definitely one of the more um prevalent people type of people you see in high school today for sure yes bro yes when it comes to Cassie for me I was I really I liked Cassie in the beginning 
but then I really started to begin to hate Cassie just because she, it felt like she would try to back away from the situations that she was, like, that she would, that she not put herself in, but she did put herself in inadvertently, even though she wasn't, she wasn't trying to expect that type of outcome, obviously, this love with being labeled as a hoe. But when, when I felt like, honestly, sometimes I felt like Cassie really didn't care about her relationship with McKay sometimes because, like, the fact you kept entertaining Daniel, which I feel like Daniel, bro, they should do uh, something with Daniel. Cause I was McKay, boy. Daniel already be dead. Real talk, they need to do something <laughs> with Daniel. Because, like, Daniel, bro, I don't blame for what he said, but that was effed up what he said to, to Cassie at, at, at his party, his Halloween party. But, um, like, I f- sometimes I feel like Cassie really didn't care about relationship with McKay because she kept entertaining Daniel's antics and, like, all this good stuff. And when McKay approached you trying to tell you, why he does what he does, but he still has love for you and all that. And you, sometimes I feel like she just did not care mm-hmm. and all this good stuff. And like, in regards to her episode, it was, it was very interesting because I feel like that this that con- disconnect from not having her father for those years and him leaving has led to her to try to get these different types of guys. And obviously, she finally has a good one. Who's a brother, by the way? A brother. A brother. <laughs> but like, anyway, like. Just wanted to say that. Just wanted to throw that out there. Women, black men don't cheat. I'm lie. I'm just saying. Let me let me not do that. But um, I just feel like she she has a good relationship, but I feel like she's so torn from what has happened with her dad and the different types of things she's had and being able to hold that she doesn't want to fight for that because yeah. she kind of backs away from it. And then like, and now in regards to now, we made out a big picture. She did she did get an abortion. So like. Yeah, that too. Now, in regards, I do feel like that was the best situation for her mm-hmm. because McKay's, McKay's in college. McKay really, real talk, is them first few years, he's really not going to be in the baby's life. Like, that, no. that college shit is something serious. And If he, do, if he doesn't want to. I mean, If yeah. he doesn't want to. Like, he can try, but it's still going to be hard. Plus, what do you think? I don't know. I would love to see what McKay's parents even think about that. Boy, dad would have lost it. Because lost it. A lot of black parents deal with their kids in interracial. We that's a whole other subject, but yeah. And that was one thing that they really didn't harp on. Like it wasn't and it, as I, prevalent I, in this. In honestly, this and I was okay with that. But the uh, fact that they ran an interracial relationship. And another thing, I can't wait to see what happens for her in season two because Sydney Sweeney said in an interview when she got approached about what she think happened in season two, what Sam Levinson told her, and what they went over, she said. It's crazy for Maddie and thing not Maddie Cassie, Cassie and things are getting dark and I'm like how more dark can you get, uh, bro? Like I mean, that character like I said one of the, one of the more prevalent ones you've seen in in high school today, um, the things that she's exposed to especially in terms of sex and stuff like that, um, but just that whole um, her like you mentioned it her downplaying situations that she's in was definitely one I was, like, very frustrated with. I was like, bro, like, it's not a secret. Like, you've done these things. It's documented. Like, you have to understand why you're in the situations you're, you're in. Now, granted, the things that she's done, does that mean that she should be labeled as something? No. Mm-hmm. Does that mean she should be treated a certain way? No. But, unfortunately, because you put yourself in this box and check these boxes of this certain thing, you're labeled as such. And so, you kind of have to expect that, like, people are going to act a certain way, be a certain way. Mm-hmm. Perfect example, in the first episode, when her and McKay first took up and McKay, you know, chokes her and, like, is rough with her. He's mimicking what he's seen done to her. Yep. It's something that she seems to enjoy, but that's not her at all. But because she's painted this picture of herself, it's like, oh, wait, 
you're actually not like that. And I like that McKay kind of got to get get to know the real Cassie. And also, you could tell, like, as the show progressed, Cassie is probably is very emotionally immature. You know, and, you know, Bruh. daddy issues. The words it was all, all daddy issues, man. She gleans to all these dudes because she's trying to fill the void in for what her dad. I know I sound like I'm, like, figuring some major thing out. That's probably something that, like, is very obvious. But, yeah. like, it was just something that I thought was very interesting in terms of, like, delving into her character. But... Um, next character we have is McKay. Oh nope, sorry. We'll do. Uh, we'll go ahead and go to McKay. We'll skip this character. We'll come back to her. Woo, my bad guy. You good? We'll talk about McKay. Um, Algie Smith's character. I thought he's really cool. Um, I kind of was interested in how. Not interested. I thought it was pretty cool how he was um older than everybody else. He had already graduated high school. You know, he was in college. And this is one of the things in the synopsis where I was like, mm, when they mentioned that he was navigating the, the, well, actually, no, this makes sense. He was navigating the transition from high school to college. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been his episode, we talked about how when he got to college, he figured out he wasn't the best in the world, which is like, if you're a student athlete, I'm sure that like, you may have felt this, like you get to, um, your school and you're the like a lot of guys especially like here down south five star you come from your, you come from here you're like the best in your town like you on you on the newspaper you the sports man of the year but then when you, you go to these schools especially the bigger your school is everybody on the line five star everybody's the number one guy in their town yeah and so you know to have to navigate that and you know him actually breaking down the odds of him getting to the nfl was really slim because you gotta think the nfl has 32 teams 53 men each practice squads like there's a whole lot more people that don't make it pro than that than do like you gotta be top of the top to make it pro and so like a lot of people don't make it and you know McKay was one of those people that was like I don't think I'm gonna make it and so that's what made, what made him really cool and like I mentioned before like I really hope they flesh out more of what happened in episode 7 6 yeah um, because that is definitely something that um, it's, it's real. It happens. Um, especially my favorite part about that whole sequence is how he reacted once they left and once he, you know, reconnected back with Cassie, once coming out the bathroom and the way he acted, because what that entire thing, you can label it as he was trying to regain his power, regain his confidence. And he couldn't, but or he did in a way, but just a very powerful uh, scene. Uh, regarding McKay, but your thoughts? McKay, um, he was one of my most eye-opening characters because of who was playing him, Algie Smith. I've seen him, you know, since back when he was on Let It Shine. You know, what I'm saying the boss. But anyway, um, McKay just wow, like man, I tell you, just crazy, um, man. Because like real talk, and this sounds crazy, but McKay's got a lot on his shoulders, and like I think they did an, a pretty okay job explaining like trying to navigate college. Um, coming out of high school, trying to navigate college, and obviously still dating a girl in high school, that is, that's that, that's a lot to deal with. And um, then obviously the stuff breaking down him going pro, you know, trying to make it out, trying to do something big. And one thing that's so interesting about McKay is like, like what you said about that scene with Cassie, I do believe it'll be fleshed out more. But I do believe McKay, because his dad is a reason why I think, another reason why McKay is the way he is when his dad was telling him, all that pimped up aggression and pain and stuff you feel, you gotta bottle it in, and then when the time is right to let it out. Eh? Is it always good? No. And so like, 
I do feel like that's going to be a problem with McKay down the line. Is this going to be a lot of things he sees that he wants to say that he probably will not do? And then he's going to end up making a bad mistake because it's based off of anger. And it's going to put him in a bad situation. You already a black man, so... You do one thing, you done like exactly, and that's maybe where they'll start kind of diving into the whole interracial interracial aspect of their relationship because that was something they really never touched on. Like, it was never a a deal, you know, like things that like in other shows that probably would have been a big deal. This doesn't seem to be like that. But McKay definitely is one of those characters, and they mentioned it. McKay like actually was a pretty good guy. Like I remember watching the first episode. He kind of reminds me of me, and McKay was really like. Sitting there, oh, like Cassie's a good girl, like you know, like she's not like that, or and he really wasn't—he wasn't really feeling like you know, seeing like her dudes and stuff like that. He wasn't really like the other guys, wild and stuff like that. But yet, he keeps trying to force himself into these groups. Like he was trying to make himself cool. Of course, they his teammates or whatever. Wait, yeah, still trying to be cool with Nate, lying and lying. Exactly. Like we just chilling. But why you need his approval? Exactly And then when he gets to college He tries to Indoctrinate himself With this frat Like his teammates again And I'm like But you're not like that Nate Like You don't have to do this But I just thought That was really cool Um, McKay would definitely be Another one of those characters That like You'll definitely be watching out for Even though He seems like a, a side character But also Like whenever he is on screen It's very Point It's very pointed So I really like that about him But bringing it back To that character we skipped We gotta talk about Cat Uh Barbie Ferreria Sensational I'm a, I, I probably butchered that Y'all I'm sorry But yeah. like yeah Cat uh, Amazing character Definitely One of my favorites um, Her Realizing Her Where she What femini- femininity Was to her And you know Finding her own strength Being um, An overweight girl And like She looked amazing Like Overweight But like She wore it very well Like she looked great She worked it She, yeah, she worked it hard And like literally The most The sexiest thing about Like one of the most Sexiest things in the show When like she finally Is like doing her monologue At the end of her episode She's just like There's nothing more sexy Than a, than a fat girl Who just doesn't give a fuck And I was like Yes Because Robert What do I always say What do I always say bro I would I would like I would marry Lizzo Like And it's not even that Like I find Lizzo Like crazy attractive Even though Lizzo Is a Is beautiful Bruh, Lizzo's confidence is so sexy, bruh. Like, ain't nothing sexier than a, than a, not just a confident fat girl, a confident girl, period. That is true. Period. Ain't nothing more confident. I need confidence like Michelle Obama at the inauguration. <laughs> bruh, like, just the Gucci. Gucci. Gucci, well, she's KRW. Clean. She was like, man, let me pull up this inauguration slay a little bit, you know. <laughs> you know, even with the mask on, bro. I can only imagine what she done with the mask off, bro. Like, just amazing. But back to Kat, just the confidence she, she exuded. Now, you know, she definitely was a little crazy with the whole, you know, sex crazy and, you know, mm-hmm. being, you know, into like sex work. Um, only because, like, she these these are kids. I mean, like everybody in the show. Like, if you're going by like the ages that you're supposed to be in in terms of high school, we're talking juniors. Yeah. McKay was a, of course a senior. He graduated, but we're talking juniors. So like, most of them are juniors. You gotta say you gotta figure. And see, by if you're t- going by me, I I graduated. I was 18. So 16, 17. You like your junior yeah. year, 16, 17. So like she wasn't even 18 yet, and she was you know doing sex work. But, um, and just finding her confidence was what, what the most incredible thing about her character was. 
um, and allowing herself to know that like she can get guys, she can get people to find her attractive. Although it didn't seem like it was a big issue in the beginning. Even when I rewatched it, it just didn't seem like something that affected her too much until she started finding it. And then that's when you found out it affected her more. But then again, you know, all things that are fleshed out as the show progresses and stuff like that. But definitely interested in, to see what happens with Kat next season. Well, Kat, I loved, I loved Kat. I, the only problem I did have with Kat is when she did abandon Maddie, when Maddie was really going through it. Um... Even though Maddie is can be a fucked up person, and but that is your friend, you do have to be there for your friend, even when she's in the wrong. Because they would have, but would have Maddie been, but would have Maddie been there for Cat? That Cat was going through something. Well, I don't know because, and I feel like when Cat, when Cat really changed her look and everything, she did kind of lose a glimpse of who she was. And Maddie even got told about it. She's like. I miss the the cat that was always caring. Not now the one that's not just you know uh, the c word and all this good stuff. So you know it's like um I do I do feel like cat cat I loved her confidence when she changed, but I feel like she did do a little bit too much and she did. But I I loved it. I loved her um the fat girl that doesn't give a fuck like the boom you know the what was it the Billy Idol song that I was playing with it that was gas the walkthrough you know now her trying to use that power you know all that you know that made her feel good you know because of like obviously doing the things with childhood and that boy damn i'm telling you bro something need to happen with daniel bro he need to get got or something because they've been making me bad ever since he stepped on the show bro girl yes but on me like like i get why cat is the way she is but like still like it's just like dang like i love it but then again like i feel like i could get to her and that and, but now she has this whole new little found love for with Ethan. And I think something, I don't know, something about Ethan, something very interesting that's going, I think that's something very interesting is going to happen with, with her and Ethan. Like, Yeah, Ethan was definitely a Because he a popped out of nowhere, and now, they're, and now they're like together. So it's like Maddie, not Maddie, but Kat kind of has her good, Matt, Kat's one of the only few characters that's in a good spot right now. Yeah, but honestly. How, does, how would it feel when Ethan, Ethan probably, I feel like Ethan already knows about her sex work stuff. I feel like he was the dude that was... See, that would be something that's going to be interesting. I think he's the dude that was like, that don't want to do that video call that was in you the think? I think it was Nate. Uh, or Nate or his dad. Could have either or, yeah. I forgot. Even when I rushed, I was like, oh, we still don't know who this is. Like, I think it could have hmm. been Ethan. I think that was Ethan that, that video called her in the, on that dark thing. But yeah. All right. Bringing it back. Last few characters, y'all. Let's talk about Kyle Jacobs, Eric Dane, Nate's dad. Honestly, one of the most compelling characters on the show for me. No, um, you know, he is, he's he's Nate, you know, 20 years later. Like he's Nate. Um, he, you know, has suppressed his sexuality for so long. You know, he felt that it was a lot easier just to hide it from everybody. Still having the normal life. Because back you gotta you gotta think back in his time, being gay was something that like really only famous people did. Like it would not only did, but like famous people were praised for in a sense but like you know probably in his small town it probably was looked down on like you probably weren't gonna get far but you know you weren't definitely weren't gonna build half a town and own and you know do all the things he, he did and so he just felt all right you know i'm just gonna keep it secret and i'm gonna just do do me but like on the surface level i'm gonna have a family you know the anything, the wife the kids the dog everything a man should have That's everything a man should be right a society says a man should be and so uh, to see him really, you know, 
go through what he went through was definitely interesting. Like, you know, granted, he really, uh, you know, was effed up messing with kids. But, you know, although Jules is the only character we know that he, you know, slept with that was underage. And one thing that I've always had an issue with is the, the age thing and where, you know, you, you can still get dinged up even if a girl tells you, hey, how old are you? I'm 22. Mm-hmm. And then the cops at your door. Wait, what's going on? I thought she was 22. No, nope, actually she's 15. Um, like, what do you do in a situation? Like, granted, I'm never going to like, okay, like, you know, sleeping with a child or whatever or somebody underage. But, like, what do you do when that person lies about their age? Especially, like, as it gets harder for you to visually see, oh, she's not over 18. Oh, she's not 21. Like, it's getting a lot harder now to, to really see that. So, what, how do you navigate that? But yeah. just a little side thing I noticed. But um, also, one of my favorite scenes in the entire show was where um, he had hooked up with that, that one guy. At the end of the... It was like, what? Episode 7, 8? It was like 7 or 8. One of, one of the last episodes. It was 7. Oh, it was 7, yeah. So, when he was talking to the guy, he was like, you know, has, has everything that I've done, have I, like, ruined my son? Like, have I, you know, given him all this anger? And I don't... I, don't, I still don't know if it's, like... They've never outright said it, but, like, does, does he know that Nate's seen what he's done? No. It's this, um... What basically he he found no yeah like you said he knows Nate's gotten a hold of those tapes mm-hmm. so and he kind of like subconsciously he realizes like hey so like Nate's gotten a hold of my stuff so he's now rethinking a lot of stuff of how he should act and what he should do as right. a man so I I should do this and that to be a man so some of these actions he's taking is not helping him at all and he's starting to fall into the same mistake I do where I'm basically I need to have this 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 to be a man so basically the, he's basically thinking of the I, what I saw was he was thinking of the whole situation of high, how Nate's able to navigate the thing of him and Maddie getting back together and the whole restraining order thing mm. how he went about it just to keep that relationship mm. and all that so he can still be a man. He can still have his woman even yeah. though he thinks the relationship is so toxic you shouldn't be in the relationship. But whatever he had to do because he told him you keep your head high you do this you, you do what you got to do right. keep, no matter how you did it. Like, and that's what he feels like. Yeah. And he still like had a moral compass because I remember him telling Nate like I noticed that when I rewatched it he was like I don't know how like you got out of the situation by you know framing Tyler um, for that whole deal at the party but like another one of those age things I was just like bro like that's just it seems so unfair in a sense I don't know that's a whole other conversation for another day mm-hmm. but um, when he talked about I don't know how you got out the situation but like and I'm not even sure you like you deserved it but just I really hope you learned like the right lesson in terms of like hey don't fucking put your hands on a woman not you know if I do it if I do the right things I'll get out of it I thought that was really cool but Kyle Jacobs is definitely one to watch like one of the biggest arcs that'll probably be in season two is that the fact that Maddie now has a hold of this tape and like how she uses that against them. Cause like if that tape gets out, like he says, he loses everything. And he played that scene where Jules like comes up and gets a bowl of chili so well. Like you can see the color flush from his face when he saw it. he was like, oh shit. <laughs> but yeah. uh, next up on the list, let's talk about Rue Bennett's sister, Gia Bennett, uh, Storm Reed. 
you you love her. You know that's your girl. Yes. Um, definitely interesting character. I mean, we mentioned how like you know seeing Rue and you know everything with Rue and her mom, how it's gonna affect her. Like it's gonna be a big part of season two. I'm excited to see how that goes. When it comes to Gia, like I said, like I can't wait to see what happens. And honestly, one of my biggest things with Gia is the way she was with McKay's little twin brothers, Bruh. Yeah. I really do feel it's an influence thing and like what I do what I did love about Gia is she came back to full circle once they tried to make the jokes about Rue and rehab. Mm-hmm. I do love how she was like she came back to full circle and she was like, okay, like, what am I doing? Like I sh- and I just love like they really like I really love her relationship with like she cares about her sister and she wants to do anything for her sister and I love that a lot. I do feel like that could affect her in the long run. But I can't wait to see what happens with her. I can't see how she reacted to everything that we got a little small glimpse of how she reacted with Rue getting out of rehab. But like, I want to see like how what is because it essentially essentially G really didn't grow up with her dad, so it should be interesting interesting take. So I can't wait to see what happens with Gia, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Steve Storm will be able to act that out. Can't wait for to see sure. That. Next up, we have Fez Angus Cloud. Interesting enough, never had an acting credit before this show. Um, and also, I remember why I texted Rob this I, after I watched the first episode. I was like, yo, so this dude basically just watched every Mac, Mac Miller video and just was like, what? let's rock. And I don't hate it because like, I love Mac Miller. So like I yes. was not mad about that. But really loved how he had a heart of gold and um, definitely was like, he's a drug addict. And one of my favorite lines from the show, like when I rewatched it, was that when Rue was apologizing to him, he was like, Hey, like I apologize for like screaming at you and saying you ain't shit and that like you're the worst person in the world. And he just was like, "Look, Rue, like I love you, like we cool, but like you're a drug addict. Like I don't take nothing you say like to heart. Like you just trying to find a way in. Like you just looking for your next score. And yes. like, the fact that he understands the game so well, and you know he's doing it for a reason. Like you, you know his grandma's sick or whatever, and his brother mentions you know paying off the mortgage. You know he's just kind of surviving out there. And you know, I love, I love Ashtray, bro. Grand Ashtray is hilarious. Yes. But um, Fez was definitely one of those characters that was like a soft voice of reason for Rue. And I loved his friendship and him caring about her was really cool. Like, I loved how he was really ready to take Mouse's head off. Mouse was such a terrible character. Bro, oh, me and Mouse want the world. Mouse, Mouse could have caught a fade any episode, bro. Like, I really wished he had shot Mouse. Like, I did not like that character at all. Oh, God. But that's my thoughts on Fez. Man, Fez. He's the one character that didn't have an episode that I wanted to have an episode so bad because it's like, bruh, he got a lot of shit going on. Think about it. His grandmother. I think, is it? I don't know what it is, but his grandmother is basically the only adult figure he has right now in his life. And then, like, yeah, he dropped out. He dropped out of high school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's got a little brother. And he's, like, really, he's fitting on his own. The streets. He's the one He's the one that's our age. He's 20. Yeah. In the show. Yeah. In the, he's in the streets. And I think it's just crazy. Like, and he, and I... He really has a lot of love for Rue, and like I love like and I love how he really does care for Rue. But then he is still like on this Rue. I love you so much, but like I really don't take none. You can't, like you said to the grand heart because you're just looking for your next score, which is true. Like because he gets the game and he's seen he's a drug addict, so he's seen not a drug addict. He's a drug dealer, so he's seen a lot of drug addicts and stuff, and he knows what it's like. And it's just it's crazy. It's crazy, and man, Angus Cloud, man, did we have that to be your first acting gig? He did he did his shit, bro. Shout out! Shout out to um, I just forgot the the casting, the casting direct, the casting agent for um, Euphoria, but she did her thing. Um, but yeah, man, shout out to um, shout out to Angus Cloud for doing that and Fesco, bruh, 
What is gonna happen with that, bro? The little kid that I saw that watched Fesco beat his dad, bro. I want to know what's up with that. That was interesting because Fesco just low key he committed a crime. Obviously, oh yeah, he man. already drug dealer. So like, bro, and like we're definitely gonna see repercussions because like we I don't think. There was the last shots we see of Fez, like the mouse has got a gun on him. Uh like Fez is he like He turned in the money with the blood on it. Yeah, like, like it was not looking good for Fez. Like I was expecting oh bro, Fez finna die. It's over for Fez. Like I think we're gonna unfortunately I think we're gonna see a lot more mouse next season. He won't sigh. But you he know <laughs> Yeah. He's more ashtray, bro. We need ashtray. He's a lives. character that I hope we get to see a lot more in season two. And that's Ali, Coleman Domingo's character. <sighs> Amazing. Just great character. You definitely, especially when you got more glimpses of him in the special episode with Rue. Um, and him really, you know, talking her addiction out with him and, you know, letting her know that, like, hey, like, anything you've done, I can do it better and have done it better. And, like, mm. get your shit together. Like, you don't want to be like me. And also really liked how... Um, they really open up on his faults, you know? Like, he yeah. really... He was just as bad. He was a crackhead. And you, I mean, if you've ever, you know, seen a crackhead or, like, lived through a crackhead, like, you know, shit got dark for... Shit got dark for Ali. So... Yes. Um, definitely a, a great character. And I really... What, really like what he said in the special episode about Nike and that whole thing. Even though it felt like out of place a little bit, but, like, mm-hmm. I still liked it nonetheless because it was very much so true. Yes. But, um, Ali definitely one of my favorite characters of the show. Ali, um, dope gas. Um, Domingo, love him. He's, I've been seeing a lot more of his work. You know, ever since I watched before, I watched a lot more of his work. And um, honestly, Ali, man, just bro, the levels like just meeting him. Like when we first see him is when we looking at Rue trying to line the people in, in um, you know, at the at the little. I had little get-togethers with the with the rehab people, and like you know, he just says, "You talk, you playing pool with Minnesota Fats, like, yeah, like you cannot, you cannot. There's nothing you can say that can sway me or can confuse me. I've seen it and I've lived it all, and like, I just think it's gas because it's like he's the person that he's been to the mountaintop and seen it all and done it all, and he, you can't tell him shit, like, bro, like real talk, like he knows what it's like, and like, I do feel like he's the best help Rue can Rue has right now, and I. Honestly, I feel bad for Ali after that special episode because, like, he's trying to get better, but it's like the people in his life is close, that are close to him, his family, either they disown him or some of them, they don't think he can get better. And you could see that with him. Exactly. And when you've been in that situation with somebody like that for so long, because you got to think, Rue's been only had her issue, you know, for, you know, four or five years. He's yeah. had it for damn near 20 plus. And so, like, the relationships he's probably, you know, ruined. You know, his daughter, she's probably ruined. I mean, his daughter's literally watched him, like, you know, hit their mom. That's something that he never forgot, you know, for 30 years. And now it's something that his kids have to live with. So, definitely, you know, a very compelling character arc uh, that I really liked. Lastly, um, let's talk about Leslie Bennett and Jules' father. Uh, Les- Leslie played by Nick- Nikki King, Nick- Nika King. And then Jules' dad. Let me look him up real quick. That's the only one I didn't type down. Uh, oh, Jules. Well, while you're looking it up, I'll talk about um, Leslie. Yeah. Man, I really wish we could have got a little bit more about Leslie. Because we got to realize, like, Leslie really got a lot of stuff going on. She's still, still, it's not confirmed. But she basically still paying off all them hospital things 
that they had to get for her dad and the and well for her husband and husband still died so like and you know she is essentially going after guys that trying to fill the void of Rue's dad and you know basically that guy it's still fuck whatever his name was who who was the little oh Rick Rick is fuck Rick but anyway man Leslie but she's not no Rick though she ain't have to kill Rick like I'm she saying, did and like Leslie man it was. I feel so bad for Leslie because Leslie is she's trying to trying to keep her baby Rue. She's trying to she's trying to help Rue the best, but she doesn't know how. So I know that must suck for a parent when you try to help your kid but you don't know how. Right. And then she's got Gia, but she feel like she doesn't want to lose Rue as well. You know, it it's a lot, man. It's a lot. And, you know, that's why her mom is just so relaxed on her because she doesn't want to lose her. But you give her so much freedom. You might lose her. That's a that's actually a very good point. Like it's not something that I actually considered when I thought about. Because I always thought, you know, Rue's mom was completely not dumb, but it was kind of like way too lax. I was like, Rue just got out of rehab. I mean, fresh out. Still got still got the hospital band on, fresh out, and like she's disappearing for multiple times a day like you let her spend the night at other people's places don't know no parents like well she didn't know Lexi's parents but I don't know about Jules she, not Jules' parents but yeah, yeah Jules' dad but um, it just seemed like she was very lax and I that actually makes good sense like you don't want to pull the reins in too tight because you know you could run the risk of losing her forever but I feel like she could have pulled them just a little bit because I was like bro like your daughter just got out of rehab and like come on now you letting her go to a party yeah, Wait, where like drinks? you, like where like you almost drinks? like where like you should like already know like okay, come on, and you gotta also think like Rue was kind of giving her the runaround because she, and, and, and according to her like Rue's doing everything she's supposed to do like she got the fake pitch from Lexi so therefore it's like she thinks she's clean, and then B like she um, she's getting the signed slips. From Rue saying, hey, like, I'm going to the meetings. But, like, usually you would think that she... But then again, she's working, paying off. That's kind of like the cop-out. Like, oh, she doesn't have time to really be on Rue because she's working to pay not only for probably, like, the rehab Rue was in, but, like, the medical bills from her dad. So, yeah, boom. It's a lot. But, and then uh, Jules' dad, uh, Ken Jenkins, uh, he was really cool. I really liked the stuff we got to see of him in the special episode. Um... Because he seemed to like, really accept Jules and you know, be there for Jules. Because her mom's not there either. Because her mom wasn't around. Right. And although I was like really confused on where he was, you know, when her mom drove her seven hours and put her in a psychiatric hospital and then let her stay there. Like, was he a part of that plan? I, it doesn't seem like it because like she was real cool with dad. Like when, when she got out. So I'm like... Wasn't it? Wasn't the dad the one that... I think her dad picked her, picked her the up. The dad picked her up. Yeah. So the I was mom like... dropped her off. Yeah, so I was like, um, interesting, okay, but um, he was a really cool character, but that's it for the characters, man, I know we beat that down to a pulp, but finally, real quick, let's talk about implications, definitely ready for season two, I can't wait to see all the things they did, and you know, we mentioned it before, we only got the special episodes because of COVID, and it really pushed back shooting, like they only started filming season two. As we're recording this, July, January, um, was it 23rd today? Mm-hmm. It's 23rd today, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're only um, 
a few days shy of them starting actually filming season two. Period. So yeah, they filmed. They started in March. Yeah, in March. Sadly, that's when Zendaya is relieved of Marvel's hands. Yeah, they should have just pushed Spider Man back so we can get. You Honestly, I, I would take you for season two of <laughs> the next Spider Man, but like that's just me. Um, but yeah, I am ex- extremely excited for season two. Can't wait for it. Um, in terms of like spinoffs, too early just to say that I want to spin off of anything, but. I could definitely see this show going maybe three or four and then go ahead and cut it. I actually think the show is going to end with Zendaya dying. Uh, or not Zendaya, but Rue dying. Mm-hmm. Um, but all things that I'm like, I'm just excited to see what they do with the rest of the show. Yeah, and as far as the implications, I can't wait for season two because my dog from Waves, will, he got confirmed to be in it. You know, what's his name? Do not tell me his name. Um, dang it, tell me his name. I can't remember his name from Waves. I just got to look it up. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't remember his name though. Yes, I yeah, but he got confirmed, and oh my god, it it's gonna be gas because you know he shared he shared the stage with Alexa in that movie. Um, and of course, you know there's some things they can they had some casting rumors for strippers and all that, so that should be interesting on where they're gonna be going with the story. Can't wait. Um, of course, new characters and then all the new different stories we're gonna get. Can't wait. Oh. Just a lot more layers to un- unplug, and it should be gas. Can't wait for season two. I I don't I still don't know how I feel about if Rue's dying or not because Rue still Rue is a take off of Sam Levinson's character, and obviously Sam Levinson is still alive mm-hmm. reading. So it's just interesting. It's still interesting. I, but yeah, I always find it interesting that like Rue is based off Rue's Rue, and this whole story is kind of based off Sam Levinson and his journey. And I always thought it was interesting because the, the biggest difference between. Rue and Sam Levinson is that Rue's a girl and Sam Levinson's a guy and like I feel like a lot more things go into you know Rue being a girl than you know Sam Levinson being a guy but who knows what they'll do so um, you know it's a TV show you know you have a suspension disbelief and all that stuff so you you go from there but guys that has been a very special uh, review of sorts of Euphoria season 1 and the special episodes uh, featuring Rue and Jules Thank you guys for listening. Oh, wait. Let's rate this bad boy, man. So out of 10, what do you give season one? Uh, excluding the special episodes. Those are their own, you know, kind of tertiary thing. So just season one, what do you rank it out of 10? I'm giving season one an 8.5 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Because only reason it's not getting the 9 because I was a little bummed with the ending, obviously. I l- very, you know, very sensitive cinematic and all that but still I was just like bro really like bro come on just come on so yeah but like eight and a half out of ten loved it awesome uh, I'm gonna rock it about an eight um, when I reviewed it for Cafeteria Talks Instagram page I, I, gave, it, I gave it an eight um, really everything you said the visuals the story only thing that knocked me was a few story plot things that like I felt weren't really short up well enough for me um, but that's really it um, but guys, like I said, this has been a very special for you episode. Thank you so much for listening and joining us on this episode. You can catch me on you can catch me on Instagram at Quattro IB with the pair between the C and the U. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Red Kool Aid three one seven. Slick on Slick without the C underscore Rob to be underscore on Instagram Robert E W one one six on Twitter. And guys, Kid Kev and DJ Noah love you, man. Thank you for listening to us um 
at this point when this episode releases, uh, Sports News Dump featuring Slick Rob and Prodigy themselves would have dropped talking about the recent Super Bowl. So hope you guys enjoyed that. And uh, we have a lot more stuff in, in, in store for y'all. We got a video coming this month. Uh, be sure to check that out. And uh, check out our last video, which was the Getting to Know You tag. And uh, stick with us. Catch that on YouTube at Cafeteria Talk. Um, of, is it official or just Cafeteria Talk? I think it's just Cafeteria yeah, Talk. Yeah, it's just Cafeteria Talk. I should have that written down somewhere. But, you know, I'm tired. Love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Big ups. Cafeteria Talk. We out. Cafeteria Talk.